The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, J.V. Johnson. Thank you for joining us tonight. Great program underway, or will be underway shortly anyway. Michael Feely, a UK paranormal researcher, investigator, and author, will be talking about ancient codes, human transformation, paranormal, ufology, and much, much more. He's had a lot of experiences, and he's written many books about the topics. He's also uncovered some interesting ideas from ancient codes, and we'll learn about what that's all about in just a little bit. Has anybody noticed that the Internet is a little wonky? I don't use that word very often, but it felt appropriate tonight. Wonky. Things are uh, slow. Things are up and down. Um, I, I, I don't know. I've been getting some lag. I had an er- error on YouTube a little bit earlier. I think you guys in the chat had the same error. So I don't know what's going on, but I know that uh, they've been talking about with YouTube and some of the other streaming services, Netflix as well. They're throttling back quality so they don't use so much bandwidth because they assume that everybody is now using the Internet more than they were, which I don't really get because it's not like a bunch of people just showed up. You know, If they're at work, they're using the Internet. Now they're home using the same Internet. Or if they're at home uh, at night watching movies, they're... You know, at home watching movies now as they, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But um, even the UK, and we'll talk to Michael about this, is starting to talk, discuss rationing internet usage. I don't get it. <laughs> anyway, um, so we've got a great program tonight. Looking forward to this. We won't waste a lot of time here in this opening segment. We'll get our guest Michael Feely on with us, and we'll have a great conversation about uh, his work. And his experiences. That's all tonight on Beyond Reality. Don't go away. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tonight, we're going to be talking with Michael Feely. Michael is an author. He's a paranormal researcher and investigator. He's written and researched ancient codes, written about them, human transformation, paranormal topics, including ufology. And he's had many personal experiences. Michael, welcome to Beyond Reality. It's a real honor to have you with us tonight. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So I need to ask you, first off, since you are in the UK, um, what's the attitude, the mood, and the situation there as it relates to what's going on with this pandemic? I think the same everywhere. There's there's lots of people uh, believing what the government are telling them. There are pockets of people who are doing contrary to what the government is telling them, and there are pockets of people who see that there's a greater thing going on uh, other than just a virus. So again, I think it's just a mixture. Are people scared? Uh, absolutely, of course they are, uh, and you know when 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 there's so so much media hysteria going on, which obviously never helps. Uh, yeah. People are gen- people are genuinely scared, and I think it's a, an irresponsible media that are putting them in that position. 
Well, um, it's certainly something you can't escape if you turn on television or radio or whatever it happens to be. Everyone is talking about it nonstop. Just one more question as it relates to this, though, because I'm curious, because you mentioned there's a segment of the population that doesn't believe what the government's telling them, telling them as as though there is some other explanation. This isn't maybe a naturally occurring virus that just got out of control. Can you tell me what some of the schools of thought are? What have you heard? Well, again, some some of them come from within the authorities who, uh, who genuinely believe that there's something greater going on. When you, you don't close the, the doors to the world from a virus that's less than the flu. You know, we, we don't close the doors of the world when there's a flu. We didn't close the doors to the world with such things as AIDS and, and, and different diseases. So why are we doing it with this? Uh, because there's something else going on beyond the scenes while people are not looking. And that there are lots and lots of people who are taking that view now, including some people within the, the actual authorities. Interesting. Let's talk about you and your work. Uh, you were a police officer for a very, very long time. Then you turned your sights to something that might be considered a little bit more esoteric, whether it was whether it's paranormal research or discussions, or actually the research you did on ancient codes and the books you've written. Uh, how does a, a man who's a police officer uh, find himself in this line of work? Well, I consider the, the, the police force my, my first marriage. And that marriage was 17 years. And you, you don't enter a marriage with, with any intention of divorce. And I, I was absolutely dedicated, uh, awarded uh, many, many awards for, for my service to that, uh, investigated many different levels of crime, uh, dealt with every conceivable manner of humanity, good and bad. And I never expected to, to ever have a, uh, or come to a point where I was going to leave uh, or, or divorce that, that that career, but uh, up up around about the 2009, the year 2009, there's so many things happening to me that involved time travel, that involved multiple UFO experiences, multiple paranormal experiences, that I had to question reality, and it really did steer me out of of, of the career that I loved, and it took me on a completely different path, and and I used that investigative knowledge that I'd gathered over 17 years. That training, that investigating, that that crime scene investigating, and I put it to to a different use, and that was looking at uh, sort of certainly investigating the thing that had happened to me, uh, investigating the true origins of of the world religions, looking at the true origins of the monoliths and monuments around the world, and that took me beyond the world. But what I found is that was a that there was an encrypted code that was a string, a string effect all the way through the ancient world, including biblical scripture, religious scripture, that tells us of our own greatness, our own sanctity, and how good we really are, and how to achieve a higher level of, of, of human. And this is really encoded by a higher intelligence throughout the, the ancient world of, of monolithic and, and, and monumental proportions. And it, it sort of really is as a, as a blueprint developed First of all, in my mind and then on paper and then by research, I managed to find that all of these ancient cultures were not separate and these monoliths and monuments were not individual projects. They were all part of a gigantic matrix system that were all working together uh, in one harmonious sort of energetic grid. So it is really what I found was really contrary to, to what people have been told in the mainstream media about the, the likes of Egypt and the likes of the Mayans, the likes of the Anunnaki, the likes of all of these different cultures that uh, we believe are all separate and, and, and all telling us different things. But 
they're telling us something completely different to what the public are being taught. We're going to get into the details of that work in a little bit, but learning a little bit more about you. Did you have, prior to your experiences in 2009 that you said turned things around for you or changed your course, did you have any belief in or experiences with paranormal topics prior to that in your life? My my only memory of childhood, uh, you can go back to probably the age of six or seven, when I used to sit at home having adult conversations about the world and how I didn't feel part of it and how I felt that I was here for a purpose. And I used to watch the, the likes of uh, epic movies like the, the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. And that's really about the story of Moses. And I used to sit there at the age of six and seven questioning, can this happen? Can it be possible? And if so, how? So I always had this this open mind as, as to a difference, to... to a deeper understanding without realising it was a deeper understanding. And I, I never really have any any memory of any paranormal experience at that time. However, I have since been told that I was always being primed for this moment. So from the, from the time that I was born here, for whatever reason I was born here, I was going to be doing something in relation to what I'm doing now. And... That was never going to change, regardless of what I was doing, regardless of where I was doing it, regardless of what occupation I was I was in. This moment was always going to arrive, and it surely did in, in, in 2009. So I have no childhood memory of paranormal. However, I was being observed, I was being watched, and I was being probed for now. Oh, wow. So you had a sense back then when you were, I think you said eight or nine or so, that there, you had a greater purpose. You weren't sure what it was at the time, but you knew there was something to come. And in retrospect, when you started to have your experiences and things started to change for you, you in, in, you in retrospect realized that during those formative years, you were actually being observed and maybe even groomed for this? Absolutely. And, you know, I've, I've since been told at the time that I came here, I was meant to do this work and I was chosen to do this work. And, of course, that's a message that, that, that has come a lot later on in life, as I say, going back to six and seven and, and eight and nine and, and, and these different ages, yes, I was being watched. Yes, I was being prepared. And I had a deeper sense that something was coming. Although as a child, you obviously don't make the right. connection, right. You know, as it, which is going to happen 30-odd, 40 years later. Yeah. So who who was grooming? Who was watching? Were these, were these alien creatures? Yes. They are not from this world uh many of them are members of galactic councils and when when i do a a stage talk especially to ufo conference i I do actually feel their presence probably about a month or so before the actual event and i feel their presence actually steering the presentation and steering the way in which the presentation it will be presented that the types of pictures the type of message i can actually feel their presence and i can actually feel that it's been sort of steered towards a certain message that they want released. So that they have always been around, they are still around. And of course, from, from the time that I was born here, there's always been a presence around, even though I didn't really realize what that was until now. When they were observing you as a child, do you uh, now believe that not only were they watching, but were they, were they abducting? Were they implanting? Were they visiting you while you slept? Any of those things that you think were going on? 
Again, because I have no memory of it. I certainly have no memory of abduction. I have no memory of visitation. The, the only memory I have is is of a deep feeling. Now, often okay. a, a, de- a deep a deep feeling, an intuition or a, an idea can often be connection to a hypercommunication, which is something beyond our normal perception. So I don't remember them doing those kind of things, and I don't remember anything of that that kind. But nevertheless, I was obviously being observed, uh, yeah. and that 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 has now come into fruition sort of in, in, in adult life. Yeah. So any medical uh, examinations that uh, may give you reason to believe maybe an implant was uh, administered at some point or have, have, do you not have any belief that that had happened? Well, I've had people who I know that that are able to spot these things mm-hmm. and that they're, they've told me that they can't see anything of that kind in my energy field or, or physicality or, or anything like that. Gotcha. Um, so 2009 comes along and things started to happen. And it seems it's, from the way you're describing it, it seems like a lot of things happened and started all at once. What started to happen? Well, I began to see certainly in, in, in the presence of my wife as well, and sometimes uh, a couple of friends who was with us, but primarily just myself and my wife. And things seemed to happen when, when we actually got together because she had had lots and lots of paranormal experiences as a child herself. But for me, we, I began to see lots of unorthodox, unorthodox craft in the sky. I would see things above me in, in broad daylight. You know, for, for an example of that was was three massive cigar-shaped UFOs above my home city, and this was broad daylight on a Saturday afternoon, blue skies, lovely skies. I would see, I'd look up in the night sky and see wormholes appear, and I would see craft emanating from wormholes. I would be in, in, in dense forestry and have bright white lights in the forestry that were so bright you couldn't actually look into it. I would have uh, actually come to uh, face-to-face with something that was six foot three with black eyes that there was not from here. Mm. Now, I've, I've, I've had shadow people uh, violently shaking my door at six o'clock in the morning to, to, for, for me to go outside out of the bedroom and see shadow people walking through the bedroom wall. I've had shadow people walk past me uh, in forestry, just a couple of weeks ago, I was in San Francisco to do a talk, and in my hotel room, there was a seven-foot shadow person standing there. So even all of these things did begin to happen at once. Uh, and as I said, that the main pinnacle, what, what I call my event, my absolute awakening, was when I was taken 159 years back in time, uh, consciously, not physically, to the scene of a crime that had happened 159 years previously in Victorian England. Now, this, this, this girl who'd been murdered by her stepfather... I vividly remember, vividly remember going back to the the, the wooden cottage room where the, the the incident happened, and I basically witnessed the last moments of her life, uh, and that traumatised me for six months. Yeah, but it was a a consciousness entanglement where I was able to my my consciousness was able to remount view something that to me. It happened in the past, but in the past it was still happening. I'd just gone into somebody else's time event. Now, when you when you look at the likes of the quantum field, the quantum world, because time is infinite in, in, in the quantum field, there is no separation between the past, the now, and the future. It is all one continuous snapshot. So basically, I had entered into the quantum world through quantum entanglements of my consciousness and actually viewed the last moment of someone's life. That really was the turning point that really shook my life 
and all the fruit from a tree actually uh, come out of come out of every branch that that particular day. And it was how, how did you even it, know? How were you, were you directed to that time in that place? Um, um, or I mean, or, or did you hear about this story and you and you focused on it and made yourself go there? Now, what had happened? Uh, my wife, where where she used to live as a child. I mean, th- th- this is information I I found out subsequently. But where she used to live as a child was where this this girl who was murdered, where her farmland, where her house, her home was situated. But it was situated in the year 1850 uh, in Victorian England. Now, there was lots and lots of uh, events that had happened at my wife's childhood home where young children would come around and play. They'd be playing in the bedroom upstairs and they'd come down and say, can you tell that girl I don't want to play with her anymore? But there was no one else there. And Mm. these are the kind of things that were sort of happening in this particular house. And my wife, when she became an adult, she went to see uh, a friend of the family who was a psychic medium. And this medium told her that there was this, 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 this girl around her and this girl has said that she'd been taken by the hands of another, and and this is the expression that she used, taken by the hands of another. Now, this this girl had always been around my wife, so, of course, when I connected to the wife, then I inherited this situation. And this girl, basically through a medium, told us that she wanted us to look into her death because it was kept quiet. And what we found out subsequently was... This girl had used to be abused by her stepfather, and one evening, he, he, it was actually 3 a.m. in the morning, it was February the, the 9th, 1850. It happened for me, February the 9th, 2009. But this, this, this stepfather walked into the room, which is what I saw when I was taken back. I saw the door open, and I heard the door creak. I, heard, I saw the curtains move with the draft. I heard the young girl say, here he is. And he came in to abuse her, and smothered her. He didn't mean to kill her, wow. but she passed. And basically, what what we didn't realise at the time as well is not only did we have this young girl who'd been murdered, but we also had him as well around us. And there's lots and lots of poltergeist activity with six-foot double-glazed windows shattering in my house from the inside. Uh, there's there's like attempted possessions of my body. There was there's all strange and eerie things going on in the house all around the, the the build up to the anniversary of this event 159 years previously so it 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 had been something that was that, that had been around us for a couple of years but around my wife since her childhood and it came to a head that particular morning where where I was taken back to the scene uh and and that's really uh, sort of how it happened for me and I couldn't actually switch the light off in the bedroom for 6 months it was so traumatic wow Sounds like it would have been, and this was in 2009. Here we are 11 years later, but you said that you had a, a, a shadow figure standing in your hotel room, I think you said in San Francisco, that was rather recently. So this stuff continues to happen to you. You continue to have these experiences. Are you frightened? Not anymore. Uh, I, I tend to find myself outside of, of, of the feeling of fear. And yes, of course, the, the, the UFOs didn't frighten me. Uh, meeting an alien face-to-face didn't frighten me. But going back to the scene of someone's murder and actually reliving it and, and witnessing it, of course, that shook me up. And I'd never, ever felt fear before. You know, being, being in law enforcement, I'd had guns pointed at me. I'd had people try to attack me with meat cleavers and knives. 
I've had people try and set themselves on fire in front of me, all of these different things, and I'd never felt fear until this this particular incident. But now things do still happen, but it's more of a download of information rather than a physical contact. And yes, that that was at literally four weeks ago, uh, and, and this was a shadow person standing in the room, and it was a couple of days before I gave a talk in San Francisco. So it does still happen, but it is more download it is more contact give me ancient knowledge and ancient information for me to piece together and to present it because it helps humanity and, and tells them really that they are supernatural beings and these kind of things are really encoded within the monoliths and monuments of the world i want to make a connection here you've talked about these shadow people several times one in the instance where this shadow person was trying to get in your door or pulling on your door at six in the morning or something and uh, you saw one in a hotel room, you see, had other encounters with quote unquote shadow people. And yet most of your experiences are alien in nature. So is it is it safe to assume that you believe the shadow people are either tools of the aliens or in some way aliens themselves? I think there are so many different life forms within many different realities around us that that we can't see. And I don't I don't think it there's any particular category. That, that that they fall into. Uh, I think whatever we mention, whether it's aliens, you know, ETs, whether it's shadow people, whether it's interdimensional beings, whether it's the angelic realm, whatever, they're, they're all on different frequencies of, of this this universal experience. And when you realise that, that human beings, with our five senses, with our seven colours, all of the things that we can see, touch, smell, experience, is considerably less than 1% of the frequency spectrum. So there is a lot that is around us in that 99 plus 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 percent that we can't see unless we match the frequency, unless we match their vibration. When we do that, we then come into contact with them and we then see them. So shadow people, to, to me, may not necessarily be aliens. They may well be. They may well be a different species of alien. They may well be... Well, when you look at... When, when we go out on, to, on, on a sunny day and we cast a shadow, we are three-dimensional beings that cast a two-dimensional shadow. So in my opinion, are they not four-dimensional beings who are casting a three-dimensional shadow? Hmm. But they are, they are infringing upon our reality because the frequency matched. Interesting. Tell me more about the face-to-face -face encounter that you had. With, I think you said a 6-3 figure with black eyes. Uh, you have, was it humanoid, and, and was it... Um, did it appear to be human with the exception of maybe the black eyes? Well, it, it was an attempt, an attempted appearance of being human. Uh, the, the, the incident was it, it was in one of England's major cities and there was actually at an event. Now, if you imagine it was the, the main high street and then as you walk into a door, it was a small cafe area and then you walk through another door which is connected and it was uh, the, the actual uh, speaking arena where there were speakers and there were lots of people congregating in the hall. Now, there's myself, my wife, and a friend in the cafe area. And the door opened, and something walked in. Now, now our friend had actually got her back to the door. But as this, this thing walked in, she looked up, and she said, what's just walked in? Because she could feel it. She could feel the energy. that, that there was, And now, now his energy field mm -hmm. actually, made, actually made my insides like a, a washing machine on spin. And he walked in, he walked into the cafe area. Now, bearing in mind that there are other people around that seem to take little notice of 
this particular thing. Now, as he walked in, yeah, he was six foot three, fairly slim, uh, black eyes. The skin over his face appeared to have been stretched extremely tight over the contours of the of the cheekbones and the skull. And it's almost as if he was uh, sort of an organic skin mask. And his hair was shoulder length, but it appeared as if you were to touch it, it would just fragment and, and break. Mm-hmm. And he, he walked into the cafe. He walked into the, the speaking hall. Now, the only way out was the way that he came in past ourselves, which he didn't come past. The only other way was to walk through the crowds of people to a, uh, to a fire door that was the other end of the venue. Now, he didn't come back the way he came, so he must have gone through that fire door. We spoke to people in that, that event, and we asked them if they saw anything strange, and nobody reported anything strange. I've, you subsequently, when you look into these things, you subsequently realize that they are able to put on this 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 mask, this appearance, and, and only certain people can see through that mask. And that day, the three of us saw through that mask, although there were crowds of people who didn't. And it is the same when, when I saw a gigantic UFO, a cigar-shaped uh, craft in the skies in broad daylight. Only my wife and I could seemingly see them. As these experiences continue to mount for you, continue to add up, um, you must question your, um, I don't know if it's purpose is the right word, because I think you've kind of figured out your purpose, but I guess maybe it's the why me question. Have you, have you, have you considered the why me question? Well, ironically, uh, that's ex- the exact question that I asked, why me? And many years after that, I asked the question, why me? The, the message came to me, a channeled message came to me that, and I quote, you are meant for this work. First, you had to be part of it to know what you were learning about to help others. So in other words, I had to be a part of it. I had to live it. I had to experience it in order to then be able to talk about it. Then my version of, of that channeled message uh, was you cannot talk about wine without first having knowledge of the grape. So in, in other words, you, you need to, me personally, had to experience it. And as I said previously, regardless of what I was doing, regardless of where I was doing it, that this was coming nevertheless. And I had to experience, had to be an experiencer in order to speak about what I'd experienced. If you have not found our YouTube channel, go to YouTube, search for JV Johnson and subscribe to the channel. We've got a great community there. We've got about 550 or so back episodes of the program. If you want to check out the archives, find an interview that you are interested in about a topic that you're interested in. There are many there on a wide range of topics. Plus, when we stream live during the live program, there is a very active and a very fun chat room. A lot of great people in that chat room. I like to say hi to everybody in chat. Thanks for joining me. Also, the podcast version of the show is available for download through your favorite podcast source apple podcasts google podcasts spotify and other places very easy to get the show that way and subscribe that way it's automatically downloaded to your smart device and it's great for when you get to start commuting again when you have to go to work again um i don't know if that's going to be great in itself but certainly uh the podcast will help the time go by for you when you have to do that tonight we're talking with michael feely his website is his name with a dash in between the first and last names michael michael dash feely.com several books to his credit a lot of great information on the website you're going to want to check that out michael you've been um 
called the Real Da Vinci Code. What is that all about? Because that's pretty intriguing and and quite impressive, actually. Well, it is, it, and it's a, a movie that that I love, uh, and and it's one you know one of my favourite movies. So to to actually have that that expressed about you is quite a quite a privilege. Uh, what what it means is for anyone who's read the book or the Da Vinci Code or seen the movie with Tom Hanks, it's about a character Robert Langdon who works out codes. He understands that that there's more to religious scripture than than what's been taught. He, he in a fictional sense, as the story goes, he he follows the, the you know the royal bloodline, the Sangreal. He looks into the Vatican. He's a code breaker, and I'm really the the non-fiction version of that because as part of this 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 journey that I'm going through, and again, you know, I was told at times you wonder how they get you get the information you do. Well, my dear friend, we channel this to you. Now, what I what I've done as part of this this ancient code that I've worked out and deciphered and, and created this blueprint for, that also involves religious scripture, and particularly Christianity and biblical scripture. And what I found is the same message is written in a clandestine way through religious scripture as it is in the monoliths and monuments of the world, and. The religious characters, the likes of Christ, Mary Magdalene, Moses, Noah, all of these characters were really metaphors for this encrypted message. And that goes through the whole of the scriptures, which I've realized is, is no more than a script, because it is there to confuse the uninitiated. And what I mean by the uninitiated are that the ones who have, have not been taught to interpret the sacred mysteries correctly and that is the general population so when you understand metaphors when you understand the codes when you understand the way in which it's been hidden then the bible means something completely different to what most people believe so that really is why i was given the, the honor of having that statement said about me about being the real da vinci code well, it's a great movie. It's it's uh, one I've enjoyed several times myself. I haven't read the book version. It's Dan Brown was the author of that, right? Am I remembering that correctly? That that is correct. I yeah. haven't read the book myself, but I have seen the movie. Yeah. And I say it's one of my favorites. So you 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 in two thousand nine you start having uh, a myriad of experiences, many related to UFOs and alien type contact. How does that transition into you recognizing and then starting to work on deciphering a code that's biblically related? Probably because the the, the Bible and, and religion it is probably one of the, the 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 greatest controls of people's mind throughout the world. There's billions of people who follow one of the main religions, and what I'm what I'm trying to do and what I'm being helped to do is to expose the truth and the true meanings of these things, and that does include the ancient world. You know, Christianity come from many of the the Egyptian principles, and when you get to the story of Jesus, well, this story has happened in history many times with the exact replica. And you, when you start to expose what it really means, it really goes into how humanity is really supernatural and how through certain practices, through certain rituals, through certain ways, we can actually reconnect to the pure awareness of the unified field instead of being stuck within a sensory reality. And that forms part of it. And, and and some people may think ufology is different to religion, that religion is different to shadow people. 
that the pyramids of Egypt is different to Stonehenge, that Stonehenge is different to the Sidonian city on Mars. It is, there's no difference. It is all a unified message. So when you start looking into certain things, then it, you can't help but stumble across other things. And certainly when that is being guided and influenced, then, of course, you're going to bring it back together in a compact message, which, I, which I've called the ancient code, because it really is an ancient code. And there has clearly been an intervention that is trying to help humanity to develop as a species. But this inter intervention is written in code. It is written within the monoliths and monuments and religious scripture and the Sumerian scrolls and the Dead Sea Scrolls and all of these different things that have the same message. And we are being helped in many different ways. And, and one of them is, is by what is known scientifically as a spontaneous self-organization. What that means, because the universe is a frequency or many different frequencies, spontaneous self-organization states and proves that when two frequencies meet, initially they will continue at their own frequency. The lower frequency and the higher frequency will vibrate at its original uh, vibration. But at some point during that communion, the lower frequency naturally rises itself to match the higher frequency. What that means is when higher dimensional beings are around us, they naturally raise the vibrations of humanity. And this is spontaneous self-organization. And this is just one of the methods in which we are being helped to raise. Other methods are these encoded principles within the ancient world and religious scripture, which is really hiding this true knowledge. So when you start looking into what you think is an individual subject, you can look into to the pyramids of Egypt and think, or originally think that this is an individual thing. Then you start looking at the Mayans, you then start looking at the Sumerians, you then start looking at the Mayan prophecy, you then start looking at Roswell. Roswell is connected to the Mayan prophecy of 2012 and is connected to Jesus Christ. And not many people know that, but it's all connected. None of these individual things that I looked at is unconnected to anything else. And what I found is one leads to the other, which leads to the other, which leads to the other. And they were all stating the same message, which was how humanity can raise as a species. The only thing that changed was either the shape of the monuments, the name of their gods, or the type of religion. It is all the same thing. It is all the same message. Obviously, you've uh, put all of this into your book, and you've you've gone through the painstaking work of explaining it in great detail, and we won't have that kind of time tonight, sadly. So let's get some of the basics here. Is the code that you're talking about, uh, whether it's found in the Bible or it's found uh, related to the Great Pyramids in Egypt or Stonehenge, are we talking about symbols and words, or are we talking about uh, images that you can uh, that you can uh, ex uh, take from what you're looking at? In the case of the pyramids, for example, how is this code structured? Well, the 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 code itself is multifaceted. Now it tells us of our pineal gland, which has the capacity to become electrically activated and will generate electromagnetic fields that can tune into information. It can match a frequency, a pulsating frequency of an incoming signal. So once you activate the pineal gland, you then start connecting 
to higher meaningful messages. Now, the importance of that is when you look at the, the Great Pyramid, for instance, the human brain has what is known as an endocrine system. Endocrine means secretion within. Now, that secretion is brown and white, which is the land of milk and honey. Now, that, now the, the, the pineal gland and the pituitary gland and the thalamus really work together as part of our spiritual insight, our greatest sight beyond the sensory world into the unified field. What I've done is when you look at the Great Pyramid and you put an overlay map of the human head facing north, because the Great Pyramid faces north, because that is the, the, the direction of logic. And when you put the, a human head over that, you will see that the Great Pyramid is actually a giant replica of this endocrine system of the human brain. And where the pineal gland is situated is exactly where the king's chamber is situated. Where the pituitary gland is situated is where the queen's chamber is situated. You will see a little chamber, a little tower, a little tower-looking thing in the Great Pyramid. That really is the Shinta, the pathway to the gods. It is telling you about this higher frequency. So once we activate this antenna, it connects to these higher frequencies. That is what the Egyptian philosophy is telling us. It is telling us how to activate our internal antenna to connect to a greater knowledge. And then we, we could discuss, you know, alchemy, alchem, the chemistry of God, chem being Egypt. We can look at why there are nine pyramids of Giza. That is the nine stages, the nine processes of alchemy, uh, where you get to the philosopher's stone, which is the wisdom stone. We can look into all of these Egyptian cultures and realize that they're talking about enlightenment and how to activate your own inner antenna. That is the same for Stonehenge. When you look at the likes of the main pyramid of Tikal, Tikal comes from Tikal, which means the third eye. When you look at the Vatican, Vatican comes from Vatica, which means the third eye. That's why there's so many pine cones around Vatican City, because the pine cone, pine cone, gives us Pinayel. When we look at the Last Supper, it's really talking about the DMT that comes from the brain and trickles down. You are eating the Last Supper, soup, sup, supper, the soup. When we look at Christ, well, it's really talking about our inner alchemy, our inner dragon, the inner fire. That is why Jesus was a carpenter. Because carpenter comes from Nanja, which means the serpent of wisdom. It's that it's the Kundalini, the sleeping dragon, that takes us from captivity through the path of least resistance, which is the open sea. That is the parting of the Red Sea of Moses, where we follow Moses, our spiritual will, to the promised land, which is Christ consciousness. Why did Christ die age thirty three? Because the number thirty three is significant. 33 is the number of transmutation and wisdom. That is why the Roswell crash happened on the 33rd parallel. When, when you have Mount Hermon, that is 33 degrees latitude at the junction of 33 degrees longitude. We have 33 degrees of masonry. We have Atlantis, which is the 33rd vertebrae of the spine that leads to the pineal gland, which is the velocity of Atlantis. When you look at the 33rd mention of Jacob in the Bible, it mentions Jacob's ladder. Jacob's ladder is the highway to Christ consciousness, which is the human spine. It has 33 vertebrae. The number 33, all of these different codes, they come in, in the form of frequency. They come in, in, in universal numbers. They come in, in metaphors that hide 
who these characters are, what really, what they really represent. And when you start putting all these things together and the same numbers, the same frequencies, all coming together, when you look at the likes of crop circles, crop circles are geometric, obviously geometric patterns of sound waves, and, and, and they are mediums that pick up a vibration frequency and turn them into coherent geometric patterns. Our pineal gland is able to descramble them into an imagery. So we crop, the likes of crop circles are really pictures of the sound of the environment, and they are created by vacuum domains, which are self-radiant balls of light. Now, these can be created by the brain, by focused consciousness, especially group consciousness. And you will find when you look into type 1 civilizations, it is a group focus, it is a group consciousness that are creating these plasma balls of light that are creating crop circles. So in other words, it is someone's thought that are creating these geometric patterns on the landscape. Someone is having a thought and they are being created. Now, the, when I went to uh, buy Stonehenge and I went to visit some crop circles, I spent half the day with, with a professor who'd been looking into crop circles for 20-odd years, and he told me that the circles are not actually circles, they're oval. Now, the significance of that I later found is going back to what I just said about someone thinking that someone thought, someone creating the, the, the plasma balls of light that are creating them, the geometric pattern of thought is an oval. That is why crop circles are oval and not circle, because someone is thinking them into existence. And that, that is the same when you look at the likes of when, when NASA tell you that the Sardonian city was created by wind. They are partially correct, but it is wind that is created by aerokinesis, which is where a mind can actually control the wind by using the energy of that mind and the energy of, of the, the element itself. We have the, this, this wonderful matrix system that goes beyond Earth where we are being told, we are being given the tools, we are being given the breadcrumb trail to take us into a higher form of human. This is obviously all-encompassing, and when I asked the question, I didn't expect it to be so all-encompassing, which uh, leads me to the next question, because you must have spent, I think I read in, in some of your information here that you spent 17 years or so working on this, Um but you don't wake up one morning and say, oh, let me take a, a, a human head and put it over and superimpose it on the Great Pyramid of Giza and start to come up with a theory. Something must have steered you that way. Was this part of uh, uh, an inspiration or some type of um, uh, invisible hand, if you will, from these creatures that continue to visit you? Or is this something that you just had an aha moment and started uh, to pursue yourself? Well, I think it was a ha-ha moment that I pursued myself as a result of guidance and a, uh, and a result of influence. And as I said in our other channel messages, at times you wonder how you get the information you do. Right. Well, my dear friend, we channeled this to you. From the time you came to Earth, you were chosen to do this. They haven't said why I've been chosen to do this, but that's what they've said. Now, of course, my, my life turned in 2009. Now, in 2010, the wife and I was uh, contemplating a vacation and we both had this this real strong feeling we needed to go to, to Egypt so we did and literally uh, less than two weeks before we went to Egypt we had an email out of the blue from a psychic medium from Scotland who said she had a message 
from her spiritual counsel. Now, I didn't know this person. She didn't know me. She just found us, and she, she had this message to, to translate. And, and basically, the message said, regarding your trip to Egypt, and it, it just went on sort of a page of message that, that in essence, was you're going to come across lots of ancient knowledge that will be added to your toolbox, and you will use this for the good of all past, present, and future because they all they all they are all from the same place. So basically, we had this message come through before I went on vacation that said I was going to be really getting this this ancient knowledge that was going to be later used. Now, when I went to Egypt, based on that message, I was expecting lots and lots of things to happen. Uh, nothing seemingly did, but seven years later, that's when it started to happen. And I was having visitations, Egyptian visitations. I was having different things happening. I was getting sacred knowledge coming into my head that was connecting to other sacred knowledge that had come into my head. And I'm actually able to sit there and actually pinpoint the exact second that it actually gets in, gets into my head, into my Galgotha, into my place of skulls, which is the place of enlightenment. Now, all of all of this ancient knowledge has taken relatively, probably intensely two two and a half years to actually get into to a blueprint where i'm able to connect all of these different cultures and you know going back to the pyramids of egypt being a replica of the of, of the spiritual eye of the brain the eye of horus is the pineal gland why does the eye of horus why does horus appear as the falcon-headed god because the falcon is the uh, medulla oblongata which is the brainstem which re- resembles a falcon why do we see teote which is really a metaphor for thought. Why do we see Teote with a baboon? Because the baboon, when you open up the brain, is really resembles the olfactory tract, which is the nervous system which carries this consciousness around. So the Egyptians understood, or they were taught, how to understand these these greater truths. Now, why, when we go to Easter Island, why is it just the heads that are exposed? Now, interestingly, the whole statue measures 33 feet. Again, the number 33, which is extremely important in these esoteric circles. But why do we just see the head of Easter Island? Because it's telling us about the Herma, the divine mind. That is why we can only see the head. Now, when we concentrate on the divine mind and we take our attention off our body, we get beyond self and experience this realm as an awareness and pure consciousness and not as a body with senses. They're telling us not to concentrate on the body of senses, but to concentrate on the divine mind. That is why you can only see the heads of Easter Island not the bodies. Now, all of these different cultures are telling us the same thing. They're telling us of our own potential enlightenment and how we can elevate and how we can transmute ourselves as a higher consciousness from this sensory world to the unified field of pure consciousness. So if the objective here is to move, move humanity to a higher consciousness, first of all, what does that higher consciousness do for us? But secondly, is it going to require everybody to understand the message before it happens? Well, the higher consciousness, when, when you imagine the, the, the universe at its first stages, when, when my, my opinion is that the universe and everything in it was created by a thought, and that thought collapsed the wave function, and it created matter, and it created physicality. Now, when you look at the, the, the universe and how it began, it began as a monopole, one pole, because it had sufficient energy to be one pole. Now, at the likes of the Big Bang, everything separated into a dipole, into polarity, into duality. Why duality? Because duality gives us the tool 
to evolve. And how does it give us the tool to evolve? It creates two points of consciousness, where you are now and where you want to be or where you should be. That is two points of consciousness. That is duality. Now, when you get to where through creation, through self-evolution, when you get to where you want to be, there is no separation between that consciousness. You then go back to the unified field of pure awareness, which is where you started from. So you start from pure awareness, you go into duality, which gives you a chance to evolve. And then if you do evolve, if you do create, if you do think, you know, cogito ergo sum, I think therefore I am. If you go back to that unified field, you are then part of everything. You are then the pure consciousness. And because we are the universe in a small pocket and within us, we have atoms and particles and subatomic particles that are also managed through duality. They are inside us. They are not the same cells that we were born with. They are different. Human beings, were, were our DNA was encoded outside of Earth and our physical body was created in the Orion Nebula. So we are not from Earth ourselves. When you start looking at all these different things, you realize that it's important that if you wish to escape the sensory reality, the five senses, the chemical fix of an outer world where you have a familiar past and a predictable future, you must go back to the unified field of pure awareness and you must activate that antenna, which is the pineal gland, in order to receive the messages of the quantum world that is all around us. And that is what I've done. Hmm. Is this a spiritual ascendance? Spiritual, when you look in, in, into the word spiritual, it comes from spiritus, which is basically breath. So spirituality is the art of breathing. Now, when you look at the, the origin of, of why that's important, is it's, it's given to us in, in the gigantic sphinx of Egypt, which has no nose, its nose is broken. Now, contrary to, to mainstream belief, that is actually deliberate, because what that is telling us is we have lost the art of breathing. We have lost the art of breath technique. We have lost the art of spirituality. When you look at the, the, the lower three chakras, the sacral and lower three chakras, through certain breath techniques, you can actually raise the cerebrospinal fluid from the lower chakras, the lower three chakras, to the brain. Now, when you do this, it creates an electromagnetic field around the body, which is the apple of Eden, because Eden is the human body. Now, this, this creates gamma rays, gamma waves. Gamma waves are super consciousness. They, they vibrate at 40 hertz. And, of course, in the Bible, the number 40 is used many times. 40 years in the wilderness, but it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, etc., etc. It's telling you that these gamma waves are super consciousness. It is the electromagnetic field of Eden, which is created by these breath techniques that raise the cerebrospinal fluid to the brain and back. So why is it important? It's important if you wish to evolve. It's important if you wish to transcend. If you don't and you're happy within a five-sense world, then you carry on. But for those who wish to elevate themselves, to evolve, then they need to, to pay attention to All what right, let, let me Let me ask this a little bit differently because you, your answer, I, I kind of answered the technical side of this, but in a more um, pragmatic approach to the question and maybe uh, an answer in, in more layman's terms is this divine is this a divine ascendance it certainly is a divine ascendance because we are going back to all possibility now 
what what happens when you look into it scientifically in certain strands of science, it certainly is divine because matter particles are observed into existence. What that means is the collapse of the wave function. So from the wave, from the unified field, from the quantum world of infinite time, when something is observed, it collapses into a particle, into matter. So in other words, there is an, object, uh, an objective observer out there that is observing our 3D frequency and our 3D reality into existence. That is divine. We have divine observation. So when we transcend back to that divinity, then that is a divine action. So it certainly is a spiritual divine motion. We have to go to break here in just a second, but before we do, I've mentioned your website a couple of times. You have a whole bunch of stuff on there. Why don't you let folks know what they can find if they visit your website? Well, thank you. They'll find lots of books on there, lots of e-books. I'm just about to put a new e-book on there called Vibrations of the Galactic Light, a message from the unified field, which goes deep into what I've, I've just been talking about. There's books on there, e-books in there. There's one-to-one -one Skype chats, there's three newsletters, there's three blogs. Uh, there's an events page that tells you where I'm going to be speaking and what I'm going to be doing over the coming months. So everything about me really sort of centered into that one place. It then gives you links to the YouTube, to Facebook, and, and all different sort of uh, mediums. So that, that really is the place to be to then spread out to, to find different things about me. Michael, a lot of this is... Uh... I guess it's not necessarily technical, but it involves a lot of moving pieces. And for example, um, you're connecting the Bible with the pyramids, with Stonehenge, and with other ancient civilizations. Um, there's a lot of different cultures involved. There are a lot of different what we would consider to be religions involved. Who was guiding all of this that put this code throughout all of those different cultures and religions? It's been guided by higher intelligences. Now, unfortunately, the, the information that has been uh, relayed to, to various civilizations, there are sections of those civilizations that have taken it and believed it to be so, of, of so, much, so sacred that they believe that only certain individuals have the right to know. And at the point of making that decision, you know, for argument's sake, uh, in 325 AD, the Emperor Constantine basically decided what would be in and what would be taken out of the Bible. That's right. Now, 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 now part of one of one of the the the, the lost books, or to say lost books, but it's not lost, it was removed, was the Gospel of Saint Thomas. Now, the Gospel of Saint Thomas tells you all about the law of attraction and how you connect to this awareness, to this unified field, and that was removed because the Romans didn't want people to understand their greatness. They wanted to have false icons in which to create a neural pathway of a, uh, a chemical fix of the outer world because, you know, they, they know that the kingdom of God is within you. Now, that is quite significant. It is within you. Everything is within you. So we, we have this, this aristocracy and, and, and the, the, the Gospel of St. Thomas tells you how to communicate with this divine language and it is to surround yourself. In other words, you must believe that it is already happening because then you will attract it to you. Now, when you start looking into the law of thermodynamics, the, the, the second law of thermodynamics tells you about the law of attraction. It tells you what the, the book of St. Thomas is telling you. So that's science and the Bible. When we look at the book of 
genesis. That is really a code for the book of genetics. It's telling us about our DNA. Now, our DNA is 99.9999% empty space. Now, that empty space, I would hypothesize, is an intelligent field that observes those atoms into existence. As I was saying about, we observe our reality into existence. Now, 90% of the cells in our body are not us. They are outer forces, and every single one of them which is a three billion letter code, is governed by universal law. The, the, the human DNA was programmed outside of Earth, and as I said, the human body is is from the constellation of Orion. This three billion letter code is interpreted by ribosomes, which are spherical DNA. There's this community of, of, of consciousness going on within us and, and, and outside of us. Now, when you have a an, an aristocracy that wishes to keep this information away from people, it does that by codes and by metaphors, so people misinterpret what it really means. Now, why why do people believe that Jesus was a man that wore the Middle East? He, he wasn't. It is really telling you that you are Jesus Christ. Every single one of your listeners, every single person who has ever existed on this earth and ever will exist is Christ, because Christ is the Christos, which is the internal fire. That internal fire then takes you to alchemy and the philosopher's stone, the stone of wisdom. And you can look into mythology, you can look into King Arthur, you can look into Santa Claus, you can look into, as I say, the true monuments, the scriptures of every single religion. You know, Yahweh is now different to Jehovah, that is now different to Allah, that is now different to Muhammad, that is now different to Jesus, that is now different to Krishna. All of these gods are different names, but they're all referring to the same thing. Now they've encoded that and they've taken bits out that they don't want people to know. Now, what they've taken out is how people are truly supernatural because they don't want people to know how brilliant they really are. They wish them to have this outside world that they continue to focus on because it takes them outside of themselves. And that is what has happened. And that's what's happened through the mystery schools of Egypt. That's what's happened in ancient Greece. It's happened in, in the Bible. It's happened in, in the Quran. In the, all of these different things are hidden knowledges that are misinterpreted by the congregations because they have not been taught how to interpret them correctly. So you said that you've obviously dis- you've discovered this, you understand it, you've accepted it. Have you ascended? What, what the thing, ascension, when, when you go into New Age circles, they, they, a lot of them believe that ascension was people just rising to, to the heavens. What really is ascension? For, for me, it is an increase of frequency. It is an increase of vibration to a different compatible place. Now, that ascension may not happen until you've passed from this place because okay. for whatever reason, I entered into a three-dimensional frequency. Even though I don't feel part of this world, I'm still part of a three-dimensional frequency. But that is a sensory world that people can come and go from. They can activate this antenna that takes them to a place beyond the senses, to the unified field of all information. We have around us, every second of of time, a quantum world. Within that quantum world contains the knowledge of the whole of the universe ever, that's ever existed in the universe. And we have access to that at every given moment in time but we've shut ourselves down 
from that knowledge base. Some people call it the Acacia Record. Some people have other names for it. But it is really the quantum field that is forever around us that contains the information. One small proton contains all the information of every single proton in the whole of the universe. Now, this is a minute subatomic particle that contains every bit of information of everything else. And we have access to that. But because we've shut ourselves down with outer icons, with false outer icons that create a neural pathway of a chemical fix of routine, it is taking us away from the true essence of self. And that is where they want us to be. Who is they and why is this why is this encoded? If if this is what we're supposed to shoot for, if this is what we're supposed to work for and work toward, why has it been shrouded in secrecy like this and put into a code that um, not most of us can't see plainly? Because that's the best way to hide it. Now, when you have a look at the likes of the Kabbalah, when you look at the likes of the Pharisees, the Pharisees wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Pharisees had quite an influence in the Bible because the Bible is a division of the Hebrew Scriptures. Now, it is not mainstream Judaism. It is secret Judaism. The same as when you look at the Quran, you can look at the mainstream Quran or you can look at the Sufism, which is mystical Quran. You know, you can look at the, the Torah or the Talmud or you can look at the mystical teachings that are behind that you know the, the the words between the words, the there are these groups that believe that this this knowledge is so sacred that it needs to be protected from what they call the vulgar, the uninitiated, the unsophisticated, which is the main population, and they hide it. They hide it because it it is a public communication between themselves. Now, when I see automobile logos, when I see church geometry. When I see brand logos, when I see different symbols given by world leaders, hand gestures and pop stars, it is a public communication. But the public do not see it because they do not understand how to interpret the signals. Now, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do is a code for they do not understand the mysteries because they have not been taught how to interpret them correctly. If you are an initiate, if you have been chosen, then you will understand exactly what these metaphors mean because you have been chosen and you have been taught how to interpret them. For, for most people, they only see the superficial teachings because, and that is not where the truth hides. That is not where the truth is, should I say. It hides beyond the scriptures. Is it your mission you're uh, in addition to uncovering this discovering it and explaining it are you looking to bring this message to people so that they too can appreciate and enjoy this uh, this effort this this message my my passion really is humanity is thousands of years behind where it should be mm-hmm. now mainstream science is thousands of years behind where it should be And when you look at the ancient knowledge, the advanced ancient knowledge that they had, that really goes beyond what we have in modern science today. They understood advanced genetics. They understood the spiritualism and then how to connect to these greater worlds, to these greater frequencies. My passion is to help as much as I can. You know, I think it was Einstein that said, those who now have the duty to tell, 
and that really is my philosophy. I, I, I that there are those that believe that this should be kept from people, but I believe that it shouldn't be. I believe that it's in, you know I think I think it's important that people use the information correctly, uh, but I think that when when people are able to raise their consciousness to greater levels, you don't need physical laws. You don't see the chaos that we've seen in the shops over the last few weeks. People see it from a higher perspective, and they do not rely on this animalistic brain and this pack mentality. That is why it is important for humanity to raise itself and to up its game. We only have a a little bit of time left here with you, Michael. So um, this is obviously, again, in your books. Do we need... Um, someone to guide us through this, whether it's someone like you or it's a higher intelligence, or is this something, if if we understand it by, again, reading your book, we can actually pursue it on our own? When, when people realize that there is a code, when people realize that when you see a geometric shape, when an automobile drives past you and you see, uh, see their logo, their brand name, that is a geometric shape that means something. When you start to realize that there is, there is a hidden language going on all around us, then you start to take notice and you start to understand things that you never previously understood. That takes you into a new dimension. It takes you into a new reality. Once people understand that the, 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 the biggest opposition, really, the, the, the biggest barricade and, and border is that people do not understand that there is a hidden language going on. But once they do, then they can start to see it. And they can start to translate it and they can start to realize that for thousands of years, people have been lied to and the real truth of them has been hidden from them and deliberately hidden from them. And that to me is something important that people should know. And it's certainly my mission is my intention to tell as many people as I can their true essence. There have been a few questions that have uh, rolled through our chat room here, and one of them that's come up a couple of times is if uh, you yourself are a Freemason. Do you have any connection uh, with the Freemasons? No, I have. I have been invited many times uh, over the last few years, secretly by secret messages, to join them, to join the Illuminati groups, to join Freemasonry. But no, I'm not. Of course, I was once in an occupation where there are many different uh, ranks of, of, of police officers that are involved in Freemasonry, but I am not personally, uh, never have been, never will be. You've, uh, I've mentioned three books of yours. Uh, of all your work, uh, um, which, which would you recommend people start with to get a basic, basic understanding of what we're talking about? Would that be the ancient code? For, for me personally, uh, I, I would start with the Code of Christ or the Alchemy of the Gods or the new e-book that's coming out about the, the vibrations of the galactic uh, light, simply because it takes the journey further on. With, with each book, with each new project, it takes the information further along, uh, further down the line and it takes it to a more advanced level. So if you're interested in, in understanding the true origins of religion, it's the Code of Christ. If you If you really have a passion about understanding what the ancient monoliths and monuments were telling us, and it's alchemy of the gods. And I would certainly start with them or the book that will be on there soon about the message from the unified field, which, again, takes you to a different level again. So pro- probably one of the, the, the last two would be a, a good starting place. You um, have spent some time over here talking and uh, giving presentations, and given the fact that we're in the middle of 
unprecedented travel bans. I assume that'll be lifted at some time, and I'm hoping that you're going to make some appearances uh, on this side of the pond. What do you have coming up? Well, obviously, I came to San Francisco. Uh, luckily for me, I think the day after I left, uh, San Francisco was talking about lockdown, and then a couple of weeks later, it was in lockdown. So I just I literally escaped that by a day or two. So I was sort of in there for six days, back home before it all started. Once the global travel ban has has been lifted, then things may... At the moment, everything's come to a stop, uh, including public appearances here in the UK, public appearances there, everything stopped. But, but once all this travel ban is lifted and things die down a little bit, then I'm sure there will be opportunities for me to come back over there. Uh, my my feeling is that will certainly happen, but obviously not at the moment because everything's at a, at a standstill. Yeah, it's 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 awfully odd, but I'm assuming that that information will be posted on your website as well. Absolutely. Every time I have a new event, every time it, it always goes on the event page of the website just so people know where I'm going to be at a certain time. Um, we have uh, a, a couple of folks in our chat room that want to say uh, thanks for the information. They're very, very impressed with what they heard tonight. And Julie, uh, uh, one of our listeners from New Zealand, says thank you from New Zealand. So I just wanted to pass that along as well. So just to kind of wrap this up, sum this up, what do you hope people take away from the work that you've done, uh, whether it's uh, through a book or they see a presentation of yours or uh, you know, get it in some other fashion? What, what's the overall message you want people to take away? The overall message for, for me is there is something else that is a lot more than what most people understand or realize. Uh, the, the, the message that I like to, to transmit is look into, into yourself because you don't need to look anywhere else. Everything is within you. Everything stems from you. Everything everywhere else is connected to you. There's a lot more going on than most people will ever realize. And as I said previously, we see considerably less than 1% of the frequency spectrum that is out there. When we start raising ourselves, when we start activating these things that are inside us, we then start to connect to the 99 plus percent that ordinarily we have no knowledge of because we can't see it because we only have five senses. You know, we, we are limited by five senses. We are limited by the speed of light. The physical body cannot travel faster than the speed of light because our subatomic particles cannot bind together into structured matter. So therefore, there is limitations on this third dimensional frequency. But what I'm saying is this is not the only frequency and we have the mechanisms in which to transcend this particular third dimensional frequency. Michael, thank you so much for your time. I know it's really, really early in the UK, so uh, this was an early morning for you, but I really appreciate you making the effort, sharing your message with us and appearing on the show, and I hope we'll get a chance to get you back. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for the platform, and thanks to everyone who's listened. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.